You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Welcome back to Circling Seattle Sports on Converge Media. Of course, as always, I'm your host, Charles Hamaker, here with you here in about the midway point of the month of January. It is cold out there. I hope you're keeping warm, taking care of yourself. Be careful of slipping on those ice patches out there. Uh, the off seasons for our respective teams have really picked up. Uh, and for some of those teams, it's just the beginning of their off season, and they've already really picked up. Um, you know, it, we've had slow weeks with a few teams. You know, the Mariners have had their on and off slow weeks. The Storm have still been relatively quiet and are still quiet this week. The Sounders, uh, they're starting to pick up, but you can kind of see we're finally getting into this time of the year or time of the season calendars, respectively, uh, where events are starting to pick up. We're starting to get closer to preseasons free agencies and drafts are starting to happen. So taking that all into account, there's a pretty gargantuan beginning to this week's uh, episode here. Um, and by now, unless you live under a rock, I'm sure you're aware of what I'm talking about. We'll start with the Seahawks. And before I even get to the major part of things here, uh, we'll go over a few different housekeeping things with their loss. Uh, well, with their win, pardon me, um, with how everything shook out for the Seahawks. They have the 16th overall pick in the first round of the upcoming draft. The rest of the draft settings and picks and the order will be set out after the Super Bowl, um, but uh, at least in the first round, Seattle is smack dab in the middle of that, so it'll be interesting to see the mock drafts and who Seattle actually ends up picking with that, but how it is with every offseason, the team signed players to the reserve slash future contracts, uh, seven of those players, all of them previously being on the Seattle practice squad, linebacker Levi Bell, nose tackle Matthew Goddell, Running back Bryant Kobach, who you see on your screen there. Tight end Taylor Mabry. Uh, safety Jonathan Sutherland. Wide receiver Cody White. And wide receiver Aesop Winston Jr. A couple local guys in there. Uh, then we get to the obvious big piece of news in the Seattle sports world. Obviously, in the American football and Seahawks world kind of thing here, Pete Carroll will not be back as the team's head coach next season. The organization put out a statement on January 10th stating that he will become an advisor but will no longer be the head coach of the team. Now, this is that's where things get interesting, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But Pete Carroll, later in the day after that, uh, after that announcement had gone out at a press conference, didn't seem 100% sure that he was done coaching, uh, stated that he was still fired up. He was ready to keep coaching. Uh, he was jacked, as he said in his own words. Uh, and even just days before, he had said that he had planned and intended on coaching the Seahawks next season. His contract wasn't up until 2025. Uh, later in the day, it was announced, well, not announced, but it was reported that assistant coaches within the Seahawks were told that they could pursue other jobs as whoever the new coach is will have autonomy to pick a new staff. The Bears, the Chicago Bears, have already requested an interview with Seahawks offensive coordinator Shane Waldron for their offensive coordinator job. Uh, John Schneider, general manager John Schneider, will have full control of the head coaching pursuit. It was funny. Pete shared a story back uh, when they hired John Schneider that uh, Schneider had no intel that Carroll actually had been hired first as the head coach, and he had planned on hiring a head coach on his own and had a notebook full of names. Uh, now Schneider will finally get to be able to make those decisions um, and hire his own head coach. And considering the talent and the respect that this organization has, it shouldn't be a difficult sort of search for this team, as I'm sure there are multiple candidates who would be happy to fill in for this job. It'll just be interesting to see who John Schneider ultimately picks. So, I mean, as as the banner says, what's next for this team? I, you know, 
after seeing the win over the Cardinals, the tight win over the Cardinals, even in that win, there were struggles for this team defending the run, getting the run game started um, and missing the playoffs. The Seahawks have only won a single playoff game over the past seven years. It's not very good. Uh, and they haven't gotten past the divisional round of the playoffs since uh, losing in Super Bowl 49 to the Patriots in that ugly fashion that I don't want to talk about. Um, this is interesting. I know that there had been a lot of talk of wanting a big change. And we've talked about the big change, quote unquote, uh, with the Kraken when they went on their eight game losing streak. This is a different scenario uh, entirely, but it's interesting. A lot of people called for the big change. They wanted Pete out. They didn't like that things had kind of stayed in, you know, we were running in place effectively right with this franchise there was good there was a lot of talent with this roster <laughs> there's still a lot of talent on this roster but they weren't going to further heights they weren't going deep into the playoffs they weren't fixing issues year in and year out the run defense has continued to struggle for years you know running the football hasn't really been able to get to the same peak it was since Marshawn Lynch was here and one, that is Marshawn Lynch we're talking about. Two, you know, there's the injury factors as well, but the balance of the run pass hasn't been there as it has been with peak Pete Carroll teams. Ultimately, on Monday when Carroll met with Jody Allen, he was under the impression that he was going to coach next year. He said he competed really hard. I, I smile a little bit because of the word, you know, talk about Pete Carroll, the word compete is just synonymous. Um to coach this team next year, but Jody Allen essentially said no. So we're wondering what's next because the announcement from the Seahawks and themselves said that Pete Carroll would go into an advisor role, that his position would elevate into an advisor role. Essentially, it's saying, hey, man, you're not coaching this team anymore. Get into the front office. Um, but doing it politely, of course, <laughs> at least PR-wise. I, it doesn't really sound like Pete wants to do that, whether it was that press conference that he held later that day. Um, you know, the next day he's doing radio talk shows. He doesn't sound like he's set on just being retired from coaching yet. He said that while he said that there isn't the ideal situation for him out there right now, which I don't know what the ideal situation would be necessarily. There was some thought that maybe he would come and coach the Huskies, which I don't know if I'd mind that necessarily. Um, I I don't know. I mean, I would be happy with him going into advisor role just because of the positive energy that he's got. He's, he's still, you know, at his age running around upbeat, uh, you know, running through whiteboards, uh, <laughs> chewing the gum. We got the air monarchs on every, every game. Um, you know, and he's obviously, you know, manufactured such an incredible culture. If you just saw the reaction from past players throughout his 14 season tenure as a Seahawks head coach, the love from all these different players. He even got Russell Wilson and Richard Sherman to talk to each other after they hadn't done that for years. Um, later that night, as Pete Carroll and a bunch of former Seahawks and current Seahawks went to Legion, uh, the uh, restaurant owned by Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor out in Bellevue, uh, they had a little soiree. Russell flew up from his home in San Diego <laughs> to surprise Pete and, and Russell and Richard Sherman talked. There's just was obviously so much respect from so many players, Justin Britt, Jimmy Graham, Gary Gilliam, uh, just to name a, a few of a long, long list of players who shared their things. Um, I, I don't know where he goes from here. It'll be really interesting because, the, again, the wording and the, the lack of a firm answer about what he's doing next makes me think he doesn't want to finish uh, his coaching career just yet. Uh, so it'll be really interesting to see what the decision is from here and who the Seahawks ultimately hire. Uh, they're expected to interview Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn. That might change considering the onslaught that the Packers had against the Cowboys this past weekend in the wild card round uh, and considering the deeper numbers where Dan Quinn's defense performs poorly against top-ranked offenses um, and Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald, who I don't think I'd mind. 
Personally, I would like to go for the big fish and go after Mike Vrabel. I don't know why the Titans let him go. Um, I think you look at Mike Vrabel, former player, likes to run the football, strong, excuse me, defensive presence. I wouldn't mind having that here personally. Excuse me, you've got a, a more talented roster than you did in Tennessee. So I don't know if that's going to come to fruition. That's where my hopes would be. There's talks of Dan Quinn, Mike McDonald, uh, Dave Canales, excuse me, um, amongst a few others. Uh, virtual meetings with these coordinators takes place uh, can start taking place tomorrow. Um, and in-person meetings can't take place until later into the playoffs. But that's that's going to be the talk of the town for a large aspect of things for the next few weeks. Who's the Seahawks next coach going to be? Because we haven't had to have this on conversation in over a decade. So it'll be really interesting to see how this plays out, whether it's who the Seahawks end up hiring and where Pete Carroll ends up going and slash what he ends up doing. Because again, it does not really sound like he's set uh, on just retiring from coaching now. Do I think it was the right move? Um, at the end of the day, yeah. I think it was the right move, uh, but it doesn't sound like Pete is ready to be done. And depending on who they're able to hire, you know, is it going to be better than what Pete Carroll is going to be able to provide you? Is the grass greener? We'll have to find out. So uh, it's not action green. That's for sure. So we will look over into some other team related news here. Another person whose future with the team isn't necessarily certain. Uh, Bobby Wagner was named to the AP all pro second team. Uh, Wagner has been named to his 10th all pro team in his career. He's been named to six, the, the first team six times and the second team four times. He becomes the second uh, off ball linebacker to be voted 10 times to an all-pro team joining Ray Lewis, the third linebacker of all time to do so, joining Ray Lewis and Lawrence Taylor, and the 15th player overall to be named to an all-pro team 10 times. Six other Seahawks got votes for all-pro teams, Devon Weatherspoon, Julian Love, Nick Ballore, Michael Dixon, DJ Dallas, and Chris Stoll, the long snapper. The Seahawks, uh, with the regular season wrapping up, found out their 2024 opponents. Uh, there still might be an international game in here. Uh, we The Seahawks might go back to London. It's been six years since they've done that. We'll have to see there. But uh, those are 2024 home opponents include, obviously, you've got the top of the list here, San Francisco, Arizona, the Rams. And then you go to the other teams, Buffalo. That's going to be a good game. Get a Josh Allen here. The only time that the Seahawks have played Josh Allen it was up in Orchard Park. Uh, Miami and that offense that sputtered out in the wild card round this year uh, in the freezing cold in Kansas City, Tua Tungavaloa. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, see that offense here. Hopefully the defense is fixed by then. Uh, the Denver Broncos without Russell Wilson. Um, potentially that move hasn't gone through yet. Uh, and Sean Payton, Green Bay and the Packers, who had an excellent uh, game against Dallas uh, this wild card round. Jordan Love, is he going to be the real deal in the regular season next year? Minnesota, what does that team look like? Will Kirk Cousins be back? And the Giants. <laughs> I would say more, but the Giants have had their struggles throughout the course of the years. That might change next year. Uh, we look at the array of away opponents. Obviously, again, the NFC West opponents there. Seattle will go out and play the Chicago Bears. Will Justin Fields be there? Will it be Caleb Williams as their starting quarterback as they've got the number one overall pick in this year's drafts right now, at least? The Detroit Lions, who had an emotional victory over the LA Rams last night uh, to end off the Sunday wildcard games. Atlanta, what do the Falcons look like next year? They've got talent on that offensive side of the ball. Drake London, Bijan Robinson, Kyle Pitts. Is someone going to go into that job after Arthur Smith was fired and be able to figure out what to do with that bevy of talent? Uh, we go over to New England. Oh, same thing with them. What does that team look like without Bill Belichick? Uh, they've got some players there, but that roster could look towards a rebuild. And then the Jets, Aaron Rodgers, will he be back to speed next year? Will he play next year? We'll have to find out. But that's what we've got there uh, for the home and away opponents. Uh, obviously, you've got to look forward to the upcoming weeks here with the Seahawks, with interviews, with special coordinators. Will they go after Mike Frabel? That's my hope. 
but I don't always know what's going on behind the scenes. It's ultimately up to general manager John Schneider to make his pick for the next head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. So we move over here as the NFL playoffs move on. There's not a lot to look at with what's next. It's more so looking at, you know, those respective interviews, but the Mariners kind of some, kind of some housekeeping stuff. Uh, There's a, Cool note here, but it's mainly some minor league deals um, and other things that affect the the coaching staff. So we'll look over here. We'll get to the coaching staff part of it. On January 9th, uh, the Mariners brought back former pitcher Danny Farquhar. Farquhar uh, joins the Mariners as a pitching strategist and assistant pitching coach. Uh, If you don't remember, Farquhar played three seasons with the Mariners. He has spent the past four full seasons coaching within the White Sox organization, uh, and this will be his seventh season coaching professionally. So kind of cool to see that. It's always nice to see former players stay within the organization or end up coming back in some capacity. We've seen that a little bit with the Seahawks, some in the coaching capacity. You look at Deshaun Shedd, a former quarterback, defensive back that's now with the coaching staff. And that's cool to see. Uh, we've got a bunch of other minor league deals here. Also won the ninth. The team signed right-handed pitcher Corey Abbott to a minor league deal with an invitation to my major league camp. He worked as a starter and a reliever in the past with the Nationals and the Cubs only three seasons in the MLB. Uh, on the same day, so the Mariners were busy on the ninth. They signed left-handed pitchers Kirby Snead and Jonathan Diaz to minor league deals. Both of those players getting outrighted last year. On the 10th, the team claimed right-handed pitcher Mauricio Lovera off waivers from the Red Sox and added him to the 40-man roster. Interesting to see him get added immediately to the 40-man roster. And I I find it notable to look at these players just because it could become a Paul Sewald, a Gabe Spire, a Justin Topa. You never really know, you know, with with you know, we talk about Farquhar with the pitching staff. That pitching staff, whether it is uh Pete Woodworth, you know, and the rest of this group, what they've been able to do with the relievers they've found off the scrap heap, so to say, has been remarkable. So it's interesting to see all these names happen in the offseason because they could be pitching high leverage uh, innings when we get to August, September, maybe October. We'll see. But that's why I always find it notable to look at those players and make sure you know those names before we get into the actual season itself. Um, On the 11th, though, the team did complete seven deals with players ahead of the arbitration deadline, which is nice to see, you know, with the contracts and arbitration, players feel like they deserve a certain amount of money. The team will value them another way, maybe. And then you might have to go to court and get that settled. But we didn't really have to do any of that. Seven players had their deals decided. Um, Infielder slash outfielder Sam Haggerty, uh, the super utility man signed a one-year $900,000 deal. New Mariner Luis Reyes signed a one-year $5 million deal, the second highest among these seven. Right-handed pitcher Logan Gilbert signed a one-year $4.05 million deal. Since he's a super two qualifier, he has four years of arbitration eligibility. I would personally like to see a Logan Gilbert extension, but... Who knows with this front office? Uh, infielder Josh Rojas signed a one-year $3.1 million deal. Relief pitcher Trent Thornton, another guy who was a reliever off the scrap heap, as I just talked about, signed a one-year $1.2 million deal. First baseman Ty France signed a one-year uh, $1. $6.775 million deal. He was the highest paid uh, amongst these arbitration deals. And then relief pitcher Justin Topa. Again, I will insert the trope about the relief pitchers off the scrap heap. Signed a one-year $1.25 million deal. So you got those seven players coming back uh, on those one-year deals with arbitration. The team already had eight players under contract. If you need a refresher, Luis Castillo, J.P. Crawford, Anthony Descalofani, recently acquired in the trade with the Giants that sent Robbie Ray over. Uh, got Descalofani and Mitch Hanniger, who was one of the players under contract. Uh, Mitch Garver, whose birthday is today, so happy birthday, Mitch Garver. Dylan Moore, Andres Munoz, and obviously Julio Rodriguez, who is hopefully in a Mariners uniform for the rest of his career. Uh, additionally, the Mariners had previously tendered contracts to 24 pre-arbitration eligible players, putting their 40-man roster at 39 players. 
the same day that they were signing all of those pre-arbitration deals and such, uh, the team signed infielder Michael Chavez to a minor league deal with an invitation to major league camp. We are just 29 days, Cal Raleigh days away from pitchers and catchers reporting. So the, the clock is ticking uh, for us to get to spring training. I'm looking forward to it every single day. We are 73 days away from opening day at T-Mobile Park. Um, but again, obviously, you know, you see these deals. The Mariners do have a roster spot open on the 40-man. You'd like to see them continue adding in just about every media availability, radio talk show interview, general interview that general manager Justin Hollander and president of baseball operations Jerry DePoto have done. They said they like where the roster's at, but they want to keep adding. And again, to drive the point home, and I'm sure you already think it yourself, you know, to keep up with the Astros and the Rangers who just won the World Series in the um, AL West. Yes, the AL West here. I, I, might, I might have said NFC West. I might have got the Seahawks confused here. In the AL West, you're going to need to add more offense than what you've got already. The Mariners have been tagged as a surprise lurk team for Cody Bellinger. Is that real or is that just smoke from his camp to get more money? I don't know. Uh, with some of these deals, they keep things private. We didn't really know uh you know about the Robbie Ray deal two off seasons ago so it'll be interesting to see what they're able to add but again to compete with these teams in this division you're going to need to add uh and you can't just continue to sit by uh you know chipping away at the paint so we look over as i mentioned the storm relatively quiet we're going through their off season free agency is approaching but we're not quite there yet uh the team's training facility in interbay is coming along nicely it looks like they're about to add the actual wood to the courts there so that's nice to see but otherwise storm news relatively quiet uh, we look over to the Sounders here, and they start their preseason camp tomorrow down in Starfire, uh, and we'll have a few days there before they head off to Spain. We'll talk about those respective dates in a minute. But we have a not-so-great update. Um, on January 14th, center back Jackson Reagan left the U.S. men's national team training camp after he re-aggravated a previous knee injury, and that's sort of curious wording from the U.S. men's national team because I don't remember the last time that Reagan had a knee injury. So that's maybe concerning, maybe just uh, use the improper wording, but I doubt that. Uh, it's unclear the severity it won't require surgery, uh, but it is believed that he will need some time to recover from that. Uh, Reagan has returned to Seattle for testing and treatment, so it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out there. Ultimately, it's a little disappointing because I know this is Reagan's first camp with the U.S. men's national team. You would have liked to see him get some more experience there and learn some more and just kind of take that in. Unfortunate, though, that that was cut short and hoping that the recovery is speedy. You know, it's tough with these um, international breaks. You never know what could happen, uh, even in the preseason. And you'd like to be able to get that normal preseason and not go into the regular season hampered because you weren't able to get your full work in leading into the year. Um, and we'll talk about how that might affect some of the signings later into the deal here. So um, we've been talking about it on and off the last few weeks because it's been rumored uh, on the eighth. We got some rumored details about potential signing Pedro de la Vega. Uh, the Argentinian forward is reportedly going to sign a five-year deal for $7 million. Uh, Lanis, his current club would retain 30% sell-on fee. Um, the next day after these rumors all came out on the ninth, De La Vega was removed from Argentina's U23 camp due to an injury. It's considered minor, thankfully, uh, and he could join the Sounders training before the team leaves to Spain, but that deal hasn't gone through officially yet, so we're still waiting on that. Uh, but it sounds like it's just about paperwork and a few dotted I's and T's here and there. So uh, as you can see, uh, we've got some depth. The team officially signed uh, defender John Bell, who they picked in the reentry draft a few weeks ago. Another depth defender. You know, good to have this depth. I know at the end of season press conference, Craig Weibel said that they didn't anticipate any big moves defensively, and this really isn't a big move. It's nice to have depth. Um, 
you know, you never know with injuries. Just talked about Jackson Reagan with an injury. Um, but Bell is more of a guy on the left side of things, left-footed defender that could give Nuhu a spell if he needs it. Uh, and especially with the international breaks and touch, you might need that. So um, you've also got a few different young options in there, but we'll see. Never hurts to have a good uh, veteran defender um, on your roster. On the 11th, this is more rumored, uh, Brazilian club Fluminense reportedly seeking to make an offer for left winger Leo Chu. Leo Chu, Brazilian as well, so it looks like uh, a club from his country is looking to bring him in. Um, the Sounders are reportedly asking for a $5 million fee, but no official offer has been made at this current point in time. So it could be smoke from Chu's camp, but you always have to check in on that first. Um, on the same day, the club extended midfielder Josh Atencio through the 2027 season. Uh, it's a four-year deal with an option for 2028 from the club. Atencio originally signed with the club as a homegrown player back in 2019 and has made 82 appearances since then. He's been a really strong defensive player, a nice player in the midfield that complements Xiao Paulo, and we really saw that towards the end of the season. So nice for him to officially get a, a long-term deal and to make sure that he's going to stay here for a while. Uh, two seasons, two uh, yeah, two seasons ago, at the end of the year, uh, in the final game of the regular season against San Jose, Brian Schmetzer said that he wanted to play the youth more, uh, the younger players and on the club's roster. And Atencio is one of those guys. He didn't get a lot of playing time throughout this year's regular season early on, but as the season progressed, you could see that he earned those minutes and how stable and consistent he was with the ball and just as a player as a whole, and he's earned this opportunity. So really nice to see that with Atencio. Uh, the next day, the signings continued for the Sounders. Uh, the club signed Ford Bradilio Rodriguez to a one-year deal with the first team. Uh, the deal has club options for 2025 and 2026. The club acquired the college-protected period priority for him from New York City FC in exchange for a natural third-round selection in 2025's MLS Super Draft. So with the defiance, Really tore things up, 17 goals, some really nice shots in those as well. Um, you know, Seattle's been looking for kind of a spark up top um, and offensively as a whole throughout the last two years. And looks like maybe this youngster could do that sort of thing. Not sure how many minutes he'll get ultimately, but you know, obviously anytime you get promoted to the first team, it's a big accomplishment. So on the same day, the club did announce respective preseason training dates uh, starting tomorrow, the 16th uh, through the 23rd. The club will be training down at Starfire, so we might be able to get a look at a Pedro de la Vega, maybe here on what the updates from Jackson Reagan are. Uh, that first public training session that you can view is on the 16th, which is tomorrow. Um, then uh, they get a few days off on the 26th, of January through the 10th of February, they will head out to Spain for something of an annual trip that they've been doing the last few years uh, to get some work in in uh, Spain. Uh, then from the 13th to the 23rd of February, they will come back to Long Acres. So it looks like the club's anticipating that their new training facility will be set and ready just across the street, essentially, uh, from Starfire. A little more than across the street if you've been down there to long acres um and that they'll be able to complete the rest of their preseason uh in their new building so that'll be nice to see that's all we've got there again wondering when we'll get the official news on pedro de la vega i say that now and then it of course could happen while we're on air which always seems to happen uh but oh See, I got off a notification there. It scared me. Uh, um, but, you know, we've got preseason dates finally for the Sounders in training, so it'll be exciting to ramp up. You know, it feels like we just got done with the, the, the playoff run, and now we're back here uh, into preseason with the Sounders. So uh, we move over here to the Kraken, and because of some moved-over dates, because the Pittsburgh Steelers and Buffalo Bills wildcard game got moved to today, Monday, the Kraken game started at 10 a.m. So by the time that you're seeing this, the Kraken game has already happened for that day, but we will obviously wrap that up next week for you. So looking at it, 
<laughs> things continue to stay hot. The Kraken began their six-game road trip on the road in Buffalo um, and kept things rolling with that uh, 5-2 to two victory. They kept things pushing. It was an ugly start to begin this game. Seattle kind of began things sluggish, didn't get off on the right foot. Uh, two those two goals that the Sabres scored were both mistakes, really. Uh, Seattle was able to clean things up, and behind a three-goal second period, uh, crack, the Kraken were able to move on. Uh, an, another stellar performance from Joey DeCourt. Our player of the game was for Jaden Schwartz. Schwartz uh, activated after missing 17 games, had been on long-term IR, and it was really nice to see him get back into the lineup and add instant impact. Uh, one goal, one assist, two points, a two plus minus, one hit, and one shot on the day. Then a few days later, the head of the Nash, uh, nation's capital for a battle with the Washington Capitals, and that was a con- uh, nice, concise, satisfying victory, a 4-1 to one win over Washington Similar to the game against Buffalo, it really looked like the Kraken were going to start out slow, you know, heavy feet, heavy skates early on, some mistakes, but we're able to figure some things out here. Joey Decord was once again rock solid, continuing to get these consecutive starts in a row. There are the dates in between, so there is that little bit of rest, which is nice, but you know, continuing to perform well um, and Seattle able to keep the win streak pushing that win tied their win streak from last season at eight games. Our player of the game defenseman, Adam Larson, the big cat, one goal, one assist, two points, a two plus minus one hit and one shot on the day. So that kept things pushing. Then we move over to the third game of the road trip, the midway point. This one, another Poor start for the Kraken. Uh, They get burned early on. It's an ugly first period, but ultimately some gritty performances performances offensively and some timely saves by Joey Decord. uh, And the Kraken are able to win this one, putting up seven goals and a 7-4 to win over the Columbus Blue Jackets. Our player of the game, another player that stepped up, He'd been taking on the centerman role, something that he'd done previously in his career, but not so much in his time with the Kraken. Jared McCann, two goals, one assist, three points, a two plus minus, and four shots on the night for Canner, uh, including the game-winning goal in this one as Seattle went and pulled on, uh, pulled away late. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Also in this game with his three-point night, he was able to reach 300 career points. He was one of two players on the Kraken to reach such milestone in this game as his teammate Yanni Gord also reached 300 career points in this one. So we look over here to player of the week. And while I could go with Joey Decord once again, he's been rock solid throughout the entirety of this point streak and this win streak. Gene Schwartz coming off of injured reserve, long-term IR, in fact, um, and really making an instant impact. As I said, in that game against Buffalo, just you look over his past three games, one goal, three assists, a four-point week for Jaden Schwartz, three plus minus, four shots, two hits, and three blocks. You know, uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand also had a really solid week in this one. Seattle's lone all-star as Vince Dunn and Joey Decord did not make the fan vote. Um, but, you know, for Jaden Schwartz to come off of injury, miss 17 games and, and several weeks and be able to come in and provide instant offense for a team that uh, by the time that you're watching this is a missing a few forwards uh, due to injury. That's really important, and Jaden Schwartz has been a consistent performer for this team uh, since he came here uh, during the inaugural se- ahead of the inaugural season. I apologize. So, speaking about that and injury-related news, we're going to go right into the team talk. Uh, J- January thirteenth against Columbus, midway through the first period, for Andre Burakovsky left the game with a lower body injury uh, and did not return. By the time that you're seeing this. Dave Haxall still hasn't provided an update on him. Um, he just was ruled out of that game after he had been taken out uh, midway through the first period. And then going into the second intermission, Matty Beniers did not play at all in the third period against Columbus, and he's not playing today against Pittsburgh. Uh, so some concerns there. 
about Maddie, unsure about that. Vince Dunn was did not leave the game at all against Columbus, but he is not playing against Pittsburgh as well. So tough one right now for the Kraken. Um, you know, the injury bug has hurt them all season long, and those are three notable players, really notable players for them to be missing uh, as they're playing the first game of a back-to-back. So anyway, we'll look at this this winning streak as a whole, and again, the primary factor has to be Joey Decord. He's been rock solid, uh, just a calm presence in net for the Kraken, making the timely saves when they're needed. You know, obviously there's been uh, the rough starts to those games that we talked about during this road trip, but those rough starts get a lot worse if Joey Decord isn't playing as well as he is right now. Uh, looking at other factors of this current winning streak, the, the, the depth scoring is back. I believe it's 18 different players have scored for the Kraken during the current point streak. So they continue to find that depth scoring uh, during this positive run uh, as the calendar year of 2024 has been underway for them. Something that obviously was such a big thing for them during last season, but this isn't a different team this year, obviously, but you're seeing some of the similar aspects of last season's team coming out again in this one, the resiliency, the relentlessness, you know, the the high-paced offense, uh, the, the high-pressure offense as well. And defensively, this team, you know, we go to another factor of this winning streak. This team defensively has looked strong. They haven't made a lot of boneheaded mistakes. They've looked structured, and they clean things up. They're not giving Joey Decord a lot of tough shots to look at. They're keeping the teams outside to the perimeter and giving him easier shots to take care of um, in net. So those have all been great things to see how long you're able to keep that going. Don't want to say anything because they're, you know, in the middle of their game against Pittsburgh right now. But then you look at the Rangers game. The Rangers have been one of the best teams in the league this season. That's not going to be an easy one. Uh, You look towards the end of the road trip. Edmonton has had Seattle's number for a just about their entire existence. So we'll see. But thankfully, this win streak and the current run that they're on right now has kind of wiped away the horrible start that the Kraken had to begin the season. So we're kind of seeing Seattle dig themselves out of it. Got to keep things up because with the way that some of the other wildcard teams are playing and the way that some of the teams in your division are playing, you can't really afford to go and struggle uh, again and find yourself in another hole or lose ground. You have to continue to gain ground and put yourself in a better position for later into the season when we're, you know, scoreboard watching and you're stacking points and every point matters. So um, that's what we've got for the current win streak. Uh, The only small bit of team-related news, it was announced on the 10th that the team will wear their Winter Classic jerseys two more times. Uh, in two different games here, February 24th at home versus the Minnesota Wild, and then March 24th versus the Montreal Canadiens um, there. So it's really nice to see that, you know, we'll, we'll get to see these incredible jerseys on display once again. Vegas wore theirs the other night. They would lose uh, pretty badly in a game against the Calgary Flames, so their jerseys haven't been good luck. Here's to hoping that Seattle's Winter Classic jerseys in these two games they play February 24th, versus Minnesota and March 24th versus Montreal end up being good luck, just like the winter classic was for Seattle. So we look ahead, as I mentioned, by the time that you're seeing this, uh, the 19 win, 14 loss, nine overtime loss, Kraken sitting at fifth in the Pacific division tied with the Oilers, but because the Oilers have the head to head, they are ahead in the fourth place spot. Uh, Both teams at 47 points. Uh, This game, 10 a.m. start, is already underway and will be done by the time that you see today's episode. January 16th, tomorrow, the second game uh, of a back-to-back. Again, New York, one of the best teams in the NHL. It's going to be a tough test. That's a 4 o'clock Pacific time start, January 16th in Madison Square Garden. Then to wrap up their six-game homestand, a road trip, pardon me, so wrap up their six-game road trip, the Kraken will head to Edmonton for a battle with the Oilers. January 18th, that's a 6 p.m. Pacific time puck drop. As I mentioned, Edmonton has had Seattle's number uh, throughout the Kraken's existence in the NHL. So still looking to continue the positive momentum. And Edmonton has been on a hot streak of their own. They're currently on a 10-game winning streak. Uh, so it's, it's, it's not going to be any easy 
It's not going to be easy at all uh, going against that Oilers team. Then on Sunday, to wrap up a four-game week, the Kraken will come home to Climate Pledge Arena, and they will play January 21st versus the Toronto Maple Leafs, one of the better teams as well in the NHL. Uh, with Willie Nylander, who just signed a massive contract extension for the Leafs. Austin Matthews, one of the best-known players in the National Hockey League. And former Kraken player Martin Jones might be in net for that game. Uh, Recently named one of the top stars of the month in the NHL. So, big one there. One of the more exciting pieces of news, as you can kind of tell, it was a busy last week. There was so much happening. Uh, and this wasn't that's something that I necessarily expected to happen, but considering that the draft was just a few days later, it makes sense. On January 9th, the Rain have dropped the OL from their name. They've gotten rid of the Lion logo, and they have returned to the Seattle Rain FC name and branding. The logo has seen a little bit of an upgrade uh, and a touch-up. The Where there was gray before with the crown and the letters, we've gone with a gold, which, you know, it's never wrong to go with gold. Um, as the club gets back to their roots a little bit from their inaugural season and has reimagined their logo for a quote-unquote new era. So this is interesting Uh, Extra interesting considering what it might mean for the club as a whole. Does this mean that the sale of the club from Olympic Lyon is closing or really close? Obviously, you know, with the draft, I'm sure that the league wanted the rain to have their proper branding set up, wanted to have their right logo set up just in case. And it made sense to debut it right ahead of the draft, keep some positive momentum going. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this can the sale continues to play out. The NWSL has not released the league schedule quite yet. Um, we haven't had media day yet with the rain. Uh, so, you know, with the Sounders season starting up soon, the rain are on a similar sort of timeline. They'll get into training camp here within the next few weeks, I imagine. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. Um, so I have to imagine that the sale is pretty close to becoming official. That's not quite yet, but really great to see the new branding, new branding going back to the Seattle Rain FC name uh, and with one of the best crests, if not the best, in the entire National Women's Soccer League. So uh, the positive news kept going two days later when it was announced that the club had extended forward Bethany Balser through the 2025 season. She had previously had a deal that lasted through the 2024 season with an option through 25, but the club decided to go ahead and ensure that Balser would be with the club Throughout the next two seasons, Balser, who joined the club back in 2019 as an undrafted free agent, becomes the first NAIA player, I apologize, to sign a contract in the NWSL. Entering her sixth year with the Reign now, Balser has the fifth most regular season appearances and fourth most goals in club history. And she's one of only two players in the entire league with six plus goals every season since 2019. She has led the club in scoring every year since she came into the league back in 2019 when she also won Rookie of the Year. Uh, Balser has led the club, as I mentioned, in goals every season of her career, and she is the third longest tenured player in the club right now behind OGs, Lou Barnes, and Jess Fishlock, which is kind of crazy to think about, you know, how much turnover this roster has had over the past few years. So a well-earned contract extension, one of the most consistent players season in and season out, let alone game in and game out, um, leading the league in aerial goals, Uh, Just a player that could be wearing the captain's armband once the two OGs move on from their playing careers. So excellent move there to ensure that Balser will be with the club throughout the next two seasons. Um, I just spoke a little bit on this, you know, with the rebrand, what it could mean for the team. Will the sale be close on the 12th, the day of the NWSL draft, which we'll talk about obviously next? Um, League Commissioner Jessica Berman had a quote regarding the sale. Quote, it is our hope and expectation that it will be closing in the short term and imminent future. 
when we have any when we have something to share we will but if we're we're still actively working on it and optimistic it will be soon essentially that sounds like everything that we've heard for months about the sale uh the only thing that makes me believe that this would be different is the fact that there is the new branding it kind of seems like something that ahead of the season needed to be done so it gives me some hope that that's the news um and you drop the ol you drop the lion so there's no real affiliation there it seems like one of the steps towards finalization towards an actual sale so again that quote really doesn't give you much information it isn't much different than what we've been hearing for months but with the action with the reality of what's been happening with the club the last few days um you feel a little bit better um going forward even if that quote's just kind of wishy-washy um so we go to the draft itself and the rain came into the draft this year only having two picks uh, if you'll remember last year they had a few trades go down acquiring elise bennett right ahead of the draft acquiring emily sonnet ahead of the draft so they only coming into the draft they had their second round pick which was number 27 overall and their fourth round pick which was number 43 overall but the club had traded up into the 17th overall pick and selected midfielder samantha meza out of unc uh, the club sent $125,000 in allocation money to the Chicago Red Stars and ended up getting the third pick of the second round, the 17th overall pick. Uh, Maze is an exciting pick. You know, as she had her senior season, uh, was a really strong success. Mac Herman trophy watch list, all ACC second team, totaling seven goals and 10 assists uh, throughout her 72 appearances in her club career. Uh, I know that Laura Harvey was really excited about it. We'll talk about Harvey's comments in a second. But you look at Meza, an interesting quote here from her coach. Sam is the reason we all pay money to watch soccer. Her creativity and skill set separate herself from other elite players. That's pretty exciting uh, to look at with an attacking player. Obviously, you lose Rose Lavelle and Emily Sana in the midfield. So adding midfielders makes sense here. Um, and considering sort of the finishing struggles that the rain have had in recent years, getting players who can score, getting attacking players makes sense. So not a surprise there. Uh, with their first original pick of the draft, number 27 overall, the club went with midfielder Matty Mercado out of Notre Dame. Mercado, uh, and, you know, another midfielder, you look at some of the accolades there, um, the interesting thing here is the U.S. U-19 women's national team uh, experience there. So there's already some some national team experience, which is good to see. The Reign have had more than a few players uh, with the national team throughout the course of the year. Obviously, they're a little bit older, but you know, still still notable there. Uh, Mercado netted 26 goals and had 12 assists in five seasons for the Fighting Irish. So again, you look at the attacking aspect of the game, you look at the scoring side of things, the Rain continue to add to that and ensure that they can improve upon last season. They were tied for fifth in goal scored last season. And you look at the expected goals, the Rain should have been higher than where they were at. Um, with their last pick of the draft, their third in total, uh, round four, pick 43 overall, they went with defender McKenna Carr out of St. Mary's College of California. McKenna has some history here in Seattle already. She spent three seasons with the University of Washington. She was listed as a forward back then, interestingly enough. Her hometown is Newcastle, Washington. So I just talked about how the attacking experience was there with Meza, with Mercado. Uh, the rain go differently here with Carr. Uh, she started all 15 of her appearances with Notre, uh, with the Gales uh, and finished with one goal and two assists. Had some injury history from 19 to 22 due to knee injuries. Suffered a tough one with UW. Um, interesting quote from Rain general manager Leslie Galmore. McKenna can play all four corners of the field. Uh, she had a terrible injury at Washington after I left, and she worked hard to get to where she is. All four corners of the field is interesting. You know, you look at some of the players on the Reigns back line, um, more so Phoebe McLaren and Phoebe 
can slot to all four spots on the back line. So looking for that versatility there defensively, uh, it'll be interesting to see how McKenna Carr slots into things. Uh, but really happy with what the rain have done in previous drafts. You look at Shea Holmes this past year, really stood out in the Challenge Cup um, during the international break. Uh, in the World Cup and such. And you know, look at two years ago with Olivia Vonderyat out of the University of Washington. So um, the draft, you know, the draft doesn't always mean you're going to be a guaranteed star. It doesn't mean um, there's no definites with the draft, I'll say. So be interesting to see how those players join camp. And again, when we get news of the sale and when we get news of an actual schedule for the rain. So that'll wrap things up. For the January 15th, 2024 episode of Circling Seattle Sports on Converge Media. Again, we're starting to pick up with a few different teams. The Seahawks offseason is going to be interesting. No Pete Carroll. Who will the new head coach be? How will the roster look? Who will the assistant coaches be? That'll be something to be figured out here. The Mariners, will they be able to add another impact bat before we get to spring training? What happened during spring training? The Storm... I would like to see some news. I'd like to get into free agency here sooner rather than later so that we can talk Storm basketball. But at least a few of the players overseas that are currently playing, Ezzy Magbegor, Jade Melbourne, are balling out and improving their respective games so that by the time we see them back in the States here, you know, things will be, their games will be taken to another height. The Sounders. Hopefully we have the Pedro de la Vega announcement official uh, by the time that we get to you next week because trainings uh, for preseason start tomorrow. You know, we look at the Kraken. Hopefully they can pull things out. Well, they just got scored on, so they're down by two. Um, they're playing Pittsburgh right now. Their win streak is on the line. The Rain just rebranded back to Seattle Rain FC. We don't have to call them O Rain anymore. Will they be able to add a few free agents? Can they re-sign Nikki Santon and Ziara King? So by the time that we see you next week, we'll have more news on all of those teams and potentially more. So until then, take care of yourselves, be well, and do whatever you can to make today a great day. I'll see you then. Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.